This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is proudly sponsored by our friends at Toku Toy Town. Check out their vast selection of kaiju collectibles, tokusatsu toys, and rare safubi at tokutoytown.com. And stay tuned later on in the episode for a special discount code just for you, the faithful Kaiju Weekly listener. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, a very tired Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, a very sick, sick, in many ways sick, Michael Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Well, come on. Come on, Travis. Uh, now 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 you have me feeling a little triggered. And speaking of triggered, we have a very special guest with us today. Hello. Wait, yes. who's that again? Who, who we got again, Travis? I forgot. Well, okay. I don't know how to introduce him. Uh, how do you want me to introduce you? Do you want me to introduce Jack. you with Jack? Jack. 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 Okay. Okay. Because I was like, Jack slash G-Man. Uh, we've had you on the podcast before uh, from the Drift Space podcast. Uh, you've been on here with uh, with JR, who's also from the Drift Space, to talk about Power mm-hmm. Rangers before. But uh, if anybody hasn't heard those episodes, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and give a little bit uh, of a rundown of who you are and what you do? Yeah, no, uh, I'm Jack. Uh, I go by G on our show the drift space which started about a year and a half ago i want to say is that does anyone has anyone been keeping tabs on that and uh yeah no i mean i do the podcast thing i do the twitter thing sometimes and i i'm happy to be back <laughs> yeah, yeah we're happy to have you jack uh yeah, I mean, it's, you're a lot of fun to talk to off. You're, you're a lot of fun to talk to off cast. So uh, we wanted to have you back on for a very but, special movie. And I hope that. Um, but not on cast. You, well, uh, <laughs> well, it, well, let's see how this episode goes and then I'll let you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well to be determined. Um, <laughs> it seems like every time you come on a certain uh, a certain subject comes up that's um, that has a lot of double meanings. Yeah, so, we, we blame yeah. you. Well, now I'm confused. Uh, what subject? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we blame you. What am you, I talking Jack? about? Oh, <laughs> oh, a lot of double meanings. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, All right. you know, double meanings, you know. <laughs> there it is. Do I, have to spell, do I have to spell it out for you? I mean, come on. You, don't you can do it on a calendar. Or not a calendar. Calculator. Why did I say calendar? <laughs> I don't know why you said calendar. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, like I said, I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> like, that's oh, not oh Travis, you're you're fine. Come on, you, there's only I'm so there's only so long you're gonna be able to play the tired game. I am recording this podcast while lying down, so I'm going to uh, continue with with my uh, with me being tired and using well, that. This as is an this is a first, ladies and gentlemen. Jack, if Travis nods off at any point during this episode, I guess it's just up to me and you to carry the show. Well, I was just thinking for a guy who's lying down, his diaphragm seems like being, you know, he, he sounds right. he sounds loud, girthy, if you will. 
I just, I just wanted to use the word girthy here, but that, robust. That, there it is. There's the one. Okay, and moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have very much news to talk about. There is some news items out there, but uh, the day that this episode is going out is the day that Godzilla Festival 2021 is happening. Uh, it will be Godzilla's anniversary <clears throat> or birthday or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so because that's going to be happening the day the episode comes out and because we know there's going to be a lot of fun things happening, a lot of special releases and a lot of little tidbits, we're going to forego doing any news items this week and we're going to cover all of the news around Godzilla Fest and everything else next week. So uh, for anybody who was looking forward to hearing uh, Michael talk about some of the news items like a certain giant red kaiju uh, getting an official release date and how that release date coincides with our 100th episode. Good Lord. <laughs> we will talk about it next week. <laughs> okay. Question. Does anyone else find it weird that we celebrate the birthday of a, of a of a fan of a uh, uh, fictional character played by a guy in a rubber suit, or is it just me? No, nope, I think it's sense. just you. Okay, just make just make nope. just making sure, just making sure. Okay, I wasn't alone. I'm just I'm actually just happy that for this particular birthday, there's there's a lot going on with Godzilla versus Hedra. Yeah, yeah. There is. I, I feel like the individual the individual movies don't get a lot of recognition sometimes. And I feel like this year, like a lot of uh, stuff is happening in honor of Godzilla versus Hedra. You have a lot of merch coming out. What was it? Is it cavity colors? Cavity colors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cavity colors. coming, coming out with the uh, Godzilla versus Hedra stuff. You have the fact that we are uh, Alamo draft house is, is screening Godzilla versus Hedra here in North America. And, mm. and then we have the, the Godzilla versus Hedra short, uh, using the Final Wars costumes uh, mm. that that Toho is going to release uh, to, well today, not I guess since yeah, this is when yeah. everyone's listening to it. But um, so I'm I'm just really happy that uh, you know this time around Toho has decided to focus a little more on uh, an individual movie and and is giving it a little more fanfare than we've seen prior movies that aren't 1954 get yeah you know it's it's kind of odd if you think about it like how how much fanfare like there's a like there's a whole like subculture of fans that really love hetera not mm -hmm. just the movie mm -hmm. but just that particular character itself hetera because yeah. i can think of a ton of merchandise that's uh, been announced, but just not come out yet. And most of it's in the form of toys, but still, uh, you got t-shirts and we've got, we had that new Godzilla versus or the Godzilla rivals comic earlier this year with Godzilla versus Hedra. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got several things coming out from Mondo super seven and some others that are, have to do with, with Hedra. And it's like, it's, it's such an odd thing that old vagina eyes get such a, uh, <laughs> big following within the fandom. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think it's worthwhile. It's it's kind of funny that Godzilla vs. Hedra is like a cult film within almost a cult franchise. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. It's it's 
<laughs> it's a strange one and just how fans have reacted to it. And I love it. I love I love seeing the kind of uh you know celebration around it. 50s 50s a very important number for for Japan and so is 60. Mm-hmm. 60th anniversary is also a very big year for Japan and, and in some cases it's even more important in Japanese culture. Uh but something else you have to realize is that when you hit the 50th anniversary of something or the 60th birthday of something, they don't just celebrate that one year. They tend to celebrate for years on end. And so when we got Godzilla 2014, uh, what, almost 10 years ago, uh, that was that was just the beginning of a, a very long celebration. And I think we've, you know, we've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Because everything that's happened since then, Toho has only been going up, 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 up. And here we are now with stuff like Godzilla Festival, multiple movies since 2014, uh, an anime series, and very likely more coming. I have no doubt there there are projects being worked on, planned out, etc. But Mm -hmm. Toho has historically kept things pretty close to the vest. So, right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so we'll find out hopefully more about that uh, the day that this episode is going out. But uh, we'll we'll find out uh, on that day any new announcements, anything like that and see because uh, because if they're going to announce anything, Godzilla Festival, uh, November 3rd makes sense. That's the day they're going to do it. So anything that's announced, we're going to talk about next week in our big roundup of everything that happens during Godzilla festival. But, uh, instead of doing the news, even though we did, we did kind of talk about some new stuff. Uh, I did want to play a game with you guys. We're bringing back a game that we have played before, but Jack has never experienced. It is Guess the Bad Review. Hello, Michael. I want to play a game. Yay! (laughs) We need a theme song for Guess the Bad Review. Anyone out there, anyone who's a fan of us that, you know, wants to make us a theme song for Guess the Bad Review, email that to us at kindyouweekly at (laughs) gmail.com. So I decided instead of picking movie reviews from across kaiju related stuff uh the movie we're talking about this week involves time travel so i decided to pick some of my favorite bad reviews as in like one star or less uh from letterboxd for movies involving time travel all right. <laughs> so I'm going to read out these bad reviews and I'm going to let you guys guess which movie we're covering. So remember, it doesn't involve kaiju, just time travel. So so just put the monsters out of your head uh, unless you count some of these actors as monsters, which uh, there's a couple that maybe. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so are you guys ready? Yes, I'm Let's ready. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Are we working together or are there enough questions that we can compete against each other? Because we need to clarify terms before we go into this. Well, there's eight questions, so or eight reviews that I'm gonna read out. Okay. Okay, so that we can put I could potentially beat Jack then. Okay, that's what you're saying. All right. 
Mm, I don't know. So, I have well, a so Jack feeling Jack it. might have an edge on some of these. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll play against <laughs> each other then. That's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. First one. I wish I could inverse and go back in time so I could watch open season instead of this movie. What movie is that oh, bad God. review from? Uh, a very, Hot Tub Time Machine. There's a very key word in, in this review. Uh, tenet. That's right, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it is Tenet. <laughs> tenet. Ten, See, ten I E-T. adore that movie, but I, I, I understand a lot of people didn't like it. So that was, that's <laughs> funny. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. A lot of these are going to be from movies that uh, you might like, but that's the fun of guess the bad review is yep. some of the bad reviews are for legitimately good movies. <laughs> uh, not going to comment on this next one, but uh, this next one is bottom tier monkey movie, literally just Lord of the Rings, but worse and with apes. Oh, Oh, it's beneath the oh. hot tub time machine. <laughs> Is it is this the the remake the the Planet of the Apes remake? Which remake? Because there's been a couple of remakes now. <laughs> well, okay, the the Tim Burton. They have yes. to be the Tim Burton one. If it's, yeah, the, it Tim, Tim it's Tim the Tim Burton one. <laughs> okay, good. Because anyone who hates on the original is a Nazi. I was trying to find a bad review of this movie that did not include the words uh, "Ape Raham Lincoln." Or oh Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So That's, uh, good. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next one. One out of 15 points on my scientifically calibrated movie ranking scale. I hate Picard's little Victorian children. Wait, I, I hate what now? Picard's little Victorian children. Oh, Star Trek Generations. <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine Generations. <laughs> That's not I'm, a time travel, you know. Well, okay. I mean, That's not... Kirk kind of time travels. Uh, okay. All right. See, I, I, was, I was about to say First Contact because that, that is very clearly that one a time I, travel movie. Yes, I was going to go with that one, but I went with this one because I thought it would be more fun to include one from, you know, from generations. Uh it, and you yeah. threw me off. It's good. It's good. I like Kirk, it. Okay. Kirk does time travel. Come on. Cuz like that's like 200 years that he just jumps through to end up in the next generation. Yeah, I didn't think about that. All right, fair. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll yeah, get it. I just I love that this person's like the main the main problem he has with this movie. Out of everything that's wrong in this movie, the one thing that he is the most angry about is Picard's little Victorian children. Victorian children. <laughs> father, father, are you coming home today? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Man, my sister is not going to like this. This is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Uh, Next one. Uh, This is a one star review. I think it's the most stars of any of the reviews I picked. Uh, All of them. Oh, nope. I have one that was two stars. Okay. Never mind. Uh, 
Uh, but this is a one star review. Very short. Every shot of Splinter is sitting down or through a window. Were they <laughs> pregnant while filming? <laughs> oh, God. The third uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. The third Hot Tub Time Machine movie, right, Hot Michael? Tub Time Machine, yeah. The thir- yeah, the third Hot Tub Time Machine movie, Jack. Come on. Yeah, yeah no, st- I've been off the last... Yeah. You, you've got a running joke. you got to stick with it, Michael. Come on. <laughs> Okay. 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 Uh, yeah, I, I just, I find that really funny of like, w- were they pregnant while filming? Cause every shot is like with them sitting down or through a window. <laughs> it's like they're trying to cover up Splinter's baby bump. <laughs> the last time I saw this movie was in the early nineties on television had to be. So I, I, I couldn't tell you even the story outside of the fact that they time travel. I can't tell you either because I think the last time I saw it was in the late nineties, probably very early two thousand. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another one I got to revisit. Yeah. All right. Now this next movie, I have two reviews for Uh-oh. it's the same movie, but there's two different uh, reviews because one review I just had to use because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, the other one is a little bit more on the nose. So first review, uh, and I'm not sharing the names of the people who are leaving these reviews because uh, if we end up making fun of them, I don't want them coming after me. So uh, <laughs> so That's these fair. are anonymous, but they're not anonymous on Letterboxd. Like they have their names and stuff included. A half star review. I thought this was going to be a great movie. Instead, I was sucked into watching The Matrix makes love with the children of the corn. This movie sucked. <laughs> uh, this movie is a mixture of The Matrix making love with the children of the corn. Any guesses? Back to the hot tub time machine three. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh I, I've got I've got another review, so this might this might help you out, Jack. Okay. Okay. So uh here's the next review, another half star review. I'd rather pluck every single hair off my scalp one by one than have to watch Joseph Gordon Levitt featuring oh, stupid drawn this... on ugly bushy black eyebrows again. <laughs> Is this Looper? Oh, it's yes. it's can't it's can't buy me the hot tub time machine. That's what it is. Can't buy me that. Yeah, <laughs> can't uh, buy me the hot tub time machine. It's too expensive. <laughs> wait a minute. Reread. Reread the 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 first one. I thought this was going to be a great movie. Instead, I was sucked into watching The Matrix, making love with the children of the corn. The corn. I don't quite get that, but all right. I that, think the a, fact that there's great... a field. Maybe that's the only that's the only connection to Children of the Corn is that there's a field. Oh yeah, I guess so. I totally forgot about the field. All right, but yeah. like, <laughs> is that the only thing? That's the only thing that connects it to Children of the Corn. Yeah, unless I mean, there there was at the very beginning when they were they were uh, chopping up that one guy that was kind of creepy. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. 
the, this review, the reviews don't have to make sense. That's, that's, that's. No, they're, they're just funny. That's, I understand. I get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's, so, let's do the, let's do the next one. I think I'm winning. Okay. He is. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. I'm winning. Okay. Uh, so this is, this is the highest number of stars of all the ones I've picked out. This is a two star review of a movie. And I love that the, the letterbox actually tells you when they watched it, like the date that they watched the movie. Uh, this movie they watched on Christmas day, 2015. So oh, that's nice. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean anything about the movie, but I just find it funny that on Christmas day, they watched this movie and thought it was so bad. They had to go and actually put a review of it on letterboxd. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Well, this one's a pretty simple one. It's just whales in space. On the edge of the hot tub time machine. Hot hot tub time machine for the voyage home. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes exactly. Uh, realizing that so many Star Trek uh, plots are around time time travel. Uh, as I was going through the the movies <laughs> when yeah, trying to select no. these movies. <laughs> And uh, yeah, because you have like the voyage home, you have uh, first contact, you have the motion picture, which just makes you feel like you're traveling through time much slower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my uh, I I had to pick some of the Star Trek ones because uh, Jack, you're a bigger star trek fan than i am and i i love star trek so i knew that i was something that we had in common i had to pick some star trek no i get it i yeah i could star trek is another one that i could talk about all day i'm glad i'm glad the drift space kind of allows me and my friends to uh to to scratch that itch a little bit See, th- there's there's no giant monsters in star trek so i can't yeah. i can't talk about it enough on the podcast the alien probe in Star Trek Four. The, the alien yeah. probe. The humans are the monsters. Mm. I mean, you know, they're, you they're could not make, giant monsters. You could make the case for V'ger. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but do we really want to watch that movie and talk about it on the podcast? Yes. funny story about that one so my family one of the reasons why i love star trek so much is my whole family has just always been uh big star trek fans um it's one of the things one of the few shows that like every member of my family all all love and my grandparents and my mom had never seen the motion picture they've they've seen some of the other movies but they've never seen the first one and so they were like oh yeah we want to watch it can we can we all get together one day and watch this movie and i warned them i'm like no you're not going to like this movie it's not good it's it's not it's not good it's not like the the show no no but we want to watch it way way to set them up for success travis yeah and, and so we <laughs> we watched it and about uh, halfway through, they were like, uh, how much longer does this movie have? I'm like, yeah. it still has about an hour and a half. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into it. I explain why I think the, the movie is worthwhile in in my episode of The Drift Space. Uh, I, I would recommend, though, the, the director's cut 
which sounds insane, I know, because that means normally it means it's something that's longer. Right. Um, <laughs> but the the director's cut is being updated to 4K and will be uh, put on Paramount Plus soon. And the director's cut is generally considered better. It cuts out some of the shots of the Enterprise just, you know, flying through space. Right. <laughs> and reinserts the the character moments that were cut from the film. Ah, okay. Yeah. And see, I don't think it's really a, makes it. I don't think it's bad because the story is good. Like the story is Star Trek. It it feels mm-hmm. very Star Trek. There's something to enjoy about it. It's just there's so much fluff in it that is yes. there and it's boring to get through. There is a lot of fluff. But at least, and I, I would say this is the most atmospheric Star Trek movie too, and it would be worthwhile just sitting there and enjoying it for its kind of operatic nature. Yeah, you know the the sweeping score, the visuals, and whatnot. It it feels it's a very visceral movie visually, and to get lost in that is something I would recommend. Uh, if if you can't do so with the story, which granted is pretty paper thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I actually met somebody who worked on that film uh, at a con one time and, and actually got to talk to him and stuff about some of the behind the scenes stuff with that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate it for what it is, but uh, but it, it is one of those ones that's just very hard to get through, especially when you're used to the very condensed s- style of storytelling from the TV show mm-hmm. than going into that one and it's like yeah no uh so that's been our star trek minute um for this (laughs) kaiju podcast (laughs) we've got two more two more bad reviews uh so this one i don't think you guys are going to guess but you can take a take a wild guess on it uh it's a half star review have you ever wanted to stab yourself and then go back in time by two years to stab yourself again (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, hot tub time machine vill the or the pleasant hot tub ti- the pleasant hot tub time machine vill you're just looking at a list of time travel movies and just putting hot tub time machine <laughs> in it because <laughs> you're looking at the same uh, list I that know. i looked at to find the movies i wanted to pull from <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about, Travis. <laughs> I'm pulling all of these from my brain. So uh, the two years part is very specific, which is what might tip you off to what movie it is. It is it is not a sci-fi movie in the traditional sense. It is a romantic comedy question mark. Uh uh Oh, uh, it's easy. Uh The Evil Dead 2, The Hot Tub Time Machine wait Returns. A wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does this happen to have does this happen to have Neo in it? Hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to address the fact that Michael thinks that the Evil Dead Two is a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the Evil uh, Dead, the Evil Dead is a romantic comedy. 
Oh, okay. Uh, yes, this does have Neo in it. It has. Uh, yes, it does have John Wick in it. Uh, does it also have? Okay, let me let me hold on. Does it have the same cast as Speed? Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, All it right. does. Lake House. <laughs> it is the opposite of Speed. It is very slow and very boring. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that one hurt. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I, I, somebody, one of the, one of the, wow. um, I didn't save it, but one of the reviews of this said it, all of this would be fixed if they just called each other on the phone instead <laughs> of talking to each other through the mailbox. <laughs> so you have seen this thing. Yes, I have. That, that's unfortunate, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> you know, sometimes I see movies and I, I, I think to myself, you know, no one I know will watch this. I'll, I'll just tell them you know that was bad so they don't have to go through it i'll i'll take the blow i'm sorry i didn't get to you fast enough man that's that's <laughs> no that's i uh one uh this was a movie that my mom really loves she loves this movie because it is it is a mom movie like it is exactly the type of movie that a mom would love uh-huh. And uh, I also was engaged for a while so of course had to watch all the romance movies um <laughs> Right. Well, Look, as a, as a single man, I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm just. I'm just gonna throw this out there. As a single man, I still love a good rom com. Anyone else? Depends yeah. on the rom com. Yeah, it depends. depends. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, not my favorite genre, but I'll, I'll say there are some real gems in there. Uh, love Actually, great movie. Love mm-hmm. Actually is a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. That's a pretty decent movie. Oh um, yeah, I like that one. Uh, what is it? Dan in real life. I don't, is Dan in real life? Would that be considered a rom-com or is just a, a, a every man movie or a slice of life movie? That's, I never got all the way through that movie. I would, I would go slice of life. Although uh, Dan Cook is hilarious in that movie. That is a phrase that no one has ever said in the history of the <laughs> entire human race. What but I like you. Dane Cook. I mean, he's again. He's not done anything. No meaningful. one has ever said in the history <laughs> of the human race. I mean, my, my best friend's girl. My best. My best friend's girl is a pretty funny movie. Um, what was that other movie he was in? Um, the the one uh, other movie that Dane Cook was in. <laughs> no, I, it was, it was the one about. It was the one with Jessica Simpson and. Was oh it, yeah, was um, it Jessica Simpson or was that was it employee? Was that of Ryan the Reynolds? No, uh, employee of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was employee Dave, of the month. Oh yeah, yeah. my god! And Dax Shepard in it. That out of your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I worked at Walmart when that movie came out, and I was like, "This is the best thing ever," because this is exactly what it's like to work at Walmart. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> okay okay last last movie last bad review remember the the theme is time travel <laughs> we keep getting sidetracked okay uh, okay so this one is a one-star review and they said constantly yelling about how they can't change any events and then they change all the events that's what part three is awesome. uh events and then they change all the events hmm. I, i'm stumped i don't know this one that's what part three is 
just characters yelling about how they can't change anything. They can't change the past, but then they go and actually change the past. Huh? A, uh, another, another review for this movie, which I didn't save it, but, um, said to go watch Rick and Morty instead. They're not, they're not complaining about back to the future. Are they? Uh, yes, they are. Uh, well, specifically what? Back to the Future Part 3, but yeah, they're talking about the whole franchise. <laughs> oh I told you, these bad reviews don't always have to be for bad movies. Yeah, there, there's no accounting for taste, though. That's that's for certain. One of my uh, favorite okay, sure. bad <laughs> reviews. One of my favorite bad reviews that we ever did was for Godzilla 1985 or 1984, whatever. Uh, and uh, oh, that and, movie just that movie ruined that entire person's life. Are you talking but, about the one where yes. they're like they go that they go, whole, they go through the full history of their day, their journey that that person went on was just it was beautiful it was like it was like reading like a classic i i don't know like a bronte novel almost like like it was just so fantastic everything that happened to this person throughout their day because of this movie and and what it led to it was like one of those things of like i don't know if you've ever seen the the meme of you forget your pen and if you forget your pen you have to borrow a pen but then you uh, you failed the test and then it's this and this is like just showing all of the like butterfly effect things that happen and so that's what it was like for that person just watching this movie set off a chain of events that just ruined their life <laughs> it was it was beautiful <laughs> well even even i know better than to make fun of or to give back to the future a bad review i mean come on there are a I mean, lot of bad reviews for back to the future uh most of them involve incest um which i tried to not include uh in <laughs> in the guess the bad review well, <laughs> well those people have a lot in common with disney that's why disney wouldn't buy the screenplay right exactly uh yeah so that was guess the bad review and i'm guessing uh of course michael won that one right yes i did yeah because <laughs> by cause my look. calculations by my calculations i got how many, how many you had eight i had seven i had seven out of eight correct <laughs> By my calculations, you had eight, right? So I got ten right. Yeah, we, yeah. I, I, had, I had twelve. I, I, I think I marked myself down for twelve correct. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right. Well, I think we can move on to the next part of the podcast. Let's do it. This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Toku Toy Town. Toku Toy Town is an online shop committed to bringing serious collectors and casual fans alike the very best, rarest, and coolest in the world of Safubi, Tokusatsu toys, and Kaiju collectibles. Jay and his team strive to be the first place you look when you're trying to hunt down that hard-to-find exclusive X-plus holy grail. Most importantly, they understand your journey because they are collectors too. They've been incredibly generous to provide our listeners with the discount code Kaiju Weekly to use at checkout and receive 10% off your next order. No minimums to buy, unlimited uses, fast shipping, and great customer service. 
And do you have anything to say, uh, Michael, about our sponsors, Toku Toy Town? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, Jay and his team are great. Uh, I've ordered a few things from them in the last little bit, including a couple of Safube, which I'm getting uh, into currently. And their shipping is fast, secure, and as someone who buys uh, expensive things, I like my shipping to be secure with lots of bubble wrap, and they actually do a good job at that. But their prices are fair, uh, their shipping's fast, and... That's really all that matters to me as a collector. So yeah, Toku Toy Town, they're great. Yeah. And again, that code is Kaiju Weekly for 10% off your next purchase at tokutoytown.com. And now we're going to get into the main topic for this week. So we usually ask trivia questions each week to hint to what our main topic is. And then we read out the interesting answers that we get from a lot of people. Most of them are not I mean, the correct answer. I mean, <laughs> some of them are pretty harmless, you know. Some of them are pretty some harmless. Some of them, like, this... Elijah's is never know, harmless. Some of them are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> no, Elijah's is never harmless, and this one from this Marchand fella is never... It's never a good one, so I don't, we can probably skip over his. Uh, well, the trivia question that we asked, or that you asked, Michael, last week, because I wasn't on the podcast, uh, was what character in a Godzilla film was Yoshio Tsuchiya's, is that how you say his name? Yes, Tsuchiya's favorite role of his entire career. What was his favorite role of his entire career? And we got a lot of answers. Uh, first off, from said Nathan Marchand host of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast and co-host of the Henshin Men podcast, which, by the way, uh, Jack, you were on fairly recently. Yes, I was. I had a great time on there. Yeah. Uh, you filled in for me when I had to step away and take a break. So yep. uh, We didn't do Kamen Rider, out of nope. respect for you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I would have killed somebody if if you guys covered Kamen Rider without me. Uh, it. it it would have been Nathan. You can say it. But no, we, we covered – JR and I from the Drift Space covered uh, Ultraman Zero versus Dark Clop Zero. We had a great time, and it was it was a wonderful, wonderful conversation about that. Yeah, a lot of fun. So if anybody's interested in that, go check that out. Uh, Henshin Men podcast. You can find it in your podcast feed. Uh, but Nathan sent in the PlayStation controller of planet X. Clever, Nathan. Clever. Clever. Uh, and then we also got an answer from Damon Noise, uh, who said Ernst Sonda Blofeld from the Kaiju Bond classic on Godzilla's Secret Service. Dun, 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 dun. Just Godzilla posing. Jack, with what gun. did you think of the <laughs> Jack, what did you think of the new Bond movie? Just out of curiosity. I enjoyed it. Did you? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah, it I, too. I, uh, it wasn't the best of Daniel Craig's material, but uh, I, I think it was a great send-off. And I was very, very pleased with the risks the risks they took with the character. They didn't, they, there are things they did in this movie they've never done with James Bond before. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited about how they wrapped that up. I'm just sitting here yeah, trying to think uh, of a good uh, kaiju pun for uh, Goldfinger so that I can sing the song. Gold kaiju. 
Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ghidorah member. Ghidorah. Okay. Golden demise. Raymond Martin. Raymond uh, Martin. Raymond said, Martin. Tickle me, Ebera from Godzilla visits Sesame Street. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, that that terrified me. I yeah, that that, that <laughs> was terrifying. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Uh, Elijah sent in the Nippler of Yeti X. The wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Elijah <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, Elijah um Elijah's obsessed with Yeti nipples. I mean, he does have one on his desk. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I'm actually talking Apparently into a Yeti a nipple now. One. I am to- I'm talking into a Yeti nipple as well. Jack, are you talking into a Yeti nipple? I was just thinking that in in the year 2021, <laughs> we we can get away with having we can get away with saying we have a nipple on our desk now. Uh, I'm sorry, do you have a nipple on your desk? Uh, yeah, I breastfeed. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, it, it's it's very it's okay. It's okay. We're <laughs> it's a very progressive time, Jack. I don't I don't know why my mind went there, but it just kind of started. <laughs> it's a it's 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 a writing really progressive its own story. Time. You know. <laughs> This is not your grandfather's podcasting anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> Crystal Lady there Jessica. There wasn't any grandfather's <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> Crystal Lady Jessica <laughs> sent us the answer. Uh, Rikichi from Samurai 7. I haven't watched Samurai 7. I don't 7. know what that is. I know what it is. It's an, it's an anime. I, I just haven't watched it. Um, so thank you, Crystal Lady Jessica. Uh, and then uh, one of our favorite uh, responders, uh, commenters, uh, it, from Jimmy from uh, Nassau. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, eh. um, Jimmy from Nassau sent us a picture of a guy with a bicycle helmet and a cape. A bicycle helmet? <laughs> I say bicycle helmet. <laughs> you mean a bicycle helmet? <laughs> I, I, just, so, hey, now, Michael, sometimes he has to ride his bicycle somewhere to get. To get the, <laughs> I get want off to your ride my ba- bicycle. Oh, goodness. That's a queen reference. Uh, I don't know. I am. Thank tired. you, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy from Nasada. It's 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 a picture of the the leader of the Mysterians is what he sent. <laughs> And then Madison Russell sent us a picture of the character from uh, this uh, that he played in this week's topic, uh, Shindo. So, correct, Madison yep. Russell. Thanks, yep. Madison. And then finally, we have Kaiju Kim, who sent us probably my favorite answer, uh, Mr. Shin Don't from Godzilla versus King Clifford. That is a good try, Kim. Thank you for um, including that answer, except for Clifford is not a kaiju, so that answer no longer counts. Thank you. I'm just wondering how she's seen the sequel to the Clifford movie already. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say that Clifford is as much a kaiju as King Kong. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but our main topic this week is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which my autocorrect would not put King for anything. Every, when I was writing these show what? notes, it kept changing it to Kong. How weird. So, apparently, I talk about <laughs> Kong more than I use the word King, and my autocorrect has decided that Kong is more important than King. Um, yeah. Sounds reasonable. So, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So, I like so Godzilla versus Kong, Kong. Ghidorah is, uh, is from 1991. There's that weird, there's that weird uh, fan-made model of a Kong Ghidorah out there. I've seen it on the internet, which is, it's the, it's the most un, ungodly looking thing. So that's what I thought of when you said Kong Ghidorah. But anyway, I have to see. Go ahead, Travis. Somebody send me that because oh, I have I'll to see it. this thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And I have to, I must see it's this. It's hideous. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) this movie was directed by kazuki omori uh it stars kosuke toyohara kenpachiro satsuma as godzilla uh ana nakagawa megumi odaka we have miki back again of course she's in uh all of the heisei well almost all the heisei movies uh Katsuhiko Sasaki, Akiji Kobayashi, Yoshio uh, Suchia, and then Robert Scott Field, which is hilarious that his have his name after all these Japanese names, but uh, <laughs> had to include him. Couldn't couldn't skip out on Robert Scott Field. Uh, and the plot breakdown for this movie is what Michael. All right, here we go. Um, A malfunctioning time machine at a ski resort takes a man back to 1986 with his two friends and nephew where they must must relive relive a faithful night and not change anything to make sure that Godzilla is born. (laughs) Boom. I knew it. I, I I was sitting here waiting. I was like hot tub time machine <laughs> i i was not expecting that for some reason no. and that, ever, that ever since we've been playing the game i was like he's gonna bust out the synopsis for <laughs> oh great okay um so yeah we're covering this movie because it is the uh 30th anniversary of godzilla versus king Ghidorah this year uh in fact actually what this week is the 30th anniversary of it. So that's why we're covering it this week. Also, this episode comes out on Godzilla's anniversary, birthday, whatever. And so had to cover a Godzilla movie. So really, really great timing for covering this movie. Um, yeah, opening thoughts. So let's let's start with Jack. What are your opening thoughts on Godzilla versus King Ghidorah? So... I actually, I do like the movie. Uh, I I don't think it's particularly good, but I do like the movie for a lot of its themes and its characters, uh, particularly one character. I I really, really enjoy Tsuchiya's Shindu. And, you know, he's talked a lot about 
how much he he was ready for this character. He said, this was the role I was meant to play my entire life. He even went on to say, I know Godzilla better than anyone. And in a lot of ways, he, he really holds the movie together. I think, because as long as we go back to him, uh, there's, there's this kind of connective tissue revolving around him that keeps the movie going. And I, I, I really enjoy kind of following his story arc and what, he stands for in the film and and that that really encompasses everything the movie is about yeah yeah uh michael opening thoughts i mean this movie's a mess but yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> this movie's a mess uh but it's a lot of fun and it enter- and it entertains me um honestly this is probably my favorite of the heisei era films um uh, more than the more uh, than 84 85 yeah more than 84 85 because i like those movies i think those movies are better movies in terms of script and writing and what makes a movie good but this one is by far the most entertaining of the heisei era for me wait, so wait. i mean it's it's really hard for me to hate this one more than mechagodzilla 2 more than Mechagodzilla 2. Although Mechagodzilla 2 is a very close second. And it is Mechagodzilla 2 is the is superior than Space Godzilla. Uh and even more superior than Destroya. And 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 even more than Godzilla versus Mothra, the Battle for Earth. <laughs> oh, Mothra uh Battle for Earth is way down the list. Hey, 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 hey. Hold I wish on. they would have stuck with the I wish they would have. St- I wish they would have stuck with the Indi- Indiana Jones theme the whole time, like instead yeah. of flip flopping back and back and forth. That would I have still, been an infinitely more interesting film to me. I still have a soft spot for that movie. It it is just cotton candy. It's but I love it. Um, but anyway, that's that's a side note. Uh, I mean, this my, film, I mean, this film is pretty much this film is pretty much cotton candy though. I mean, it's 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 it scratches and it scratches your Godzilla itch pretty effectively. I think. Except, you know, I just wish it was written better. It's funny you guys mentioned that because I feel like this movie is is what set the precedence for Godzilla movies for the next fifteen years, mm-hmm. essentially. Because uh, this this movie came out, and uh-huh. Toho thought, you know, well, if we if we want to make money again, we just we just peel out our old monsters and you know, dumb it down a little bit more for a younger crowd, and sell that merchandise, man. And it, it worked. And that's that's kind of their train of thought from there on out, especially with, you know, King Ghidorah and Mothra. They pl- they pulled this card for GMK uh, 10 years later, worked. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, they, they know to pull out the big four, well, I guess big five when when they want to make the big bucks. Although I'd, I'd argue that Mechagodzilla, I've, I've never understood why Toho keeps relying on Mechagodzilla. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't he, know. He is not the money maker. If we go back and look at history, he's not the money maker that Toho, for some reason, thinks he's going to be. Almost really, really. Well, okay, okay. Look, look, look at nineteen seventy four. It did better than Megalon. High bar. Um, it didn't do as well as like Guy. Megalon was a masterpiece, Jack. <laughs> it did. It did better at the box office than Megalon. But then Terror of Mechagodzilla put the series on ice for ten years. Okay, nineteen ninety three Mechagodzilla did great, did fantastic. Actually, it was a massive, massive hit. 
but it still did less business than Godzilla vs. Mothra the prior year. And then we get to uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla in 2002, and it just did a little bit better than Megaguirus, which almost put the series on ice again. And it fell very, very, very far from GMK. And then you have Tokyo SOS, which actually did worse than Megaguirus. And, you know, it, it, the trend kept on going. The, the least attended of the anime movies was Sitting on the Edge of Battle, although Mechagodzilla wasn't really in it. And then you have Godzilla vs. Kong, which in Japan was uh, the weakest MonsterVerse movie at the box office. So I, I don't think Mecha, Mechagodzilla must push merchandise because he's not doing much at the box office. Yeah, I think there's also maybe a cultural thing with because because I know there's a lot of well, I mean, we have it here in the States, too. So it's not necessarily just a Japanese cultural thing. But but there is this kind of like the the idea of the evil or the dark alternate version of the main character is always super appealing, maybe to creators more than it is to audiences. And so that might be why they keep bringing make a godzilla back um still surprised that he was not in final wars but but yeah yeah you you yeah you make a good point there uh king Ghidorah or Ghidorah is the is the the draw uh when you're talking about like villain monsters that is the one that draws mm -hmm. more crowds and stuff um my opening thoughts on this movie like i i this movie i i watched this constantly as a kid on vhs i i loved this movie as a kid um i never realized how much the theme of hubris and arrogance kind of plays a part in, throughout the whole movie in in multiple ways uh so watching it again and picking up on those themes was kind of cool uh but yeah when i think of godzilla like when the the picture i have in my head of godzilla is this godzilla is is this suit uh from this era uh because this is the godzilla that that just stuck in my head the most and i think a big part of that is also this was the era of the trend trendmaster toys um and i had a bunch of those and so this was just kind of yeah this was the godzilla that i grew up with um but yeah uh now we can move into our patented patented no one steal it it's copyright uh totally different things pending actually it's still under copyright uh the positivity <laughs> sandwich uh, where we talk about some of our positives, then we get into some of our negatives, and then we finish on some positives. So let's talk about some very specific uh, positives that we have with this film. Uh, Jack, do you want to start us off with some positives? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to say is Akira Ifkabe. Um, This was like his get out of retirement movie. Mm -hmm. And... I, I understand a lot of the complaints with Ifkabe in his later years was that he, he didn't really write anything new. He just brought back old themes and rearranged them a little bit. And I mean, I think it was John De the, the, uh, the one who put on all the, the concerts at G Fest. Hmm. Um, John DeSantis. John, De John DeSantis. Yeah. John DeSantis. John DeSantis. John, I'm sorry. Um, and he, he said to me one time, Ifkabe has a redundant voice, but what a voice. And it's so true. 
It's so true. And, and the way he put together Godzilla's theme in this one, because this is the first time we have the the uh, theme we first heard in King Kong versus Godzilla. And it goes into this this march that leads into the the march we first hear in the main titles of the original Godzilla film. And what that the, the march leading into it is actually just the main title played backwards. Hmm. And, and it's it's it evokes so much suspense and so much power. And it is a very, very powerful score. Almost it could you could argue it's too powerful at times because when Ghidorah lands and we hear his his theme, the last time we've heard it was stock music from Godzilla versus Gigan. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you feel it. It just yeah. lands hard. And I I I don't know what my favorite Godzilla score is. But when when I don't know what to say, I often fall back on this one because it is strong. It is very, very powerful. Well, and fast fast forward a little bit to what we re- what recently came out, which was Singular Point. The episode where Godzilla makes his debut, I feel like is beat for beat this theme and this sequence. You know what I'm talking about, Jack, where you've got our two characters on the scooter and then you hear the dun 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 dun, dun yeah, and it slowly the- builds. And it like you're right, this the 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 score for this particular movie, in my opinion, is the best score of the Heisei era. Uh, because it all just works. Um I'm with you. It's a little bit too bombastic. I think the I think the music got a little bit too bombastic. Even during uh, Ghidorah's landing in, uh, is it Hokkaido or um, not Hokkaido? Um, Oh God. Um, Anyway, when, when King Ghidorah makes his first appearance, I feel like first attack, right? His Mm -hmm. first attack. Yeah. Yeah, The first attack. It it was, it was, it, it was a little too, it was a little bit too much. But the rest of the score, I think, works incredibly well. But I, I get what you're saying, where the the score does tend to lean into the lean into being too much at times. Big. It's really big. The, the one complaint score. I have with the music and the score in this movie is there's a moment when when this new Godzilla comes out of the water, and you get that moment of like the harp playing and it's kind of like almost played almost like magical of him coming out of the water mm-hmm. and then it goes into the the classic Godzilla theme of dun 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 dun, 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 dun. and yeah but the, about. the little bit of harp though felt out of place there in that moment you know I, it's always been a a, a peculiar choice for me but i don't I, it works i think it works and i i've yet to explain why and i hate not knowing why i think something works or i i hate not knowing why i like something but uh there's something about it that does work and i can't quite put my finger on it like you mentioned the word you said magical mm-hmm. for a second there yeah to an extent yeah there is something magical about godzilla uh otherworldly maybe that 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 exudes this this kind of magic and maybe that's what i'm feeling from it but i i didn't mind it i didn't hmm. i i like it when when ifkb plays with instruments that he doesn't normally you know use in the series 
Yeah, to me, it, it it kind of like it made it feel which I totally get in what you're saying. Like I get the like making Godzilla feel kind of magical and otherworldly, but it also kind of like I don't know. It it, it it's too much of a contrast with the the bombastic classic Godzilla theme, and and how threatening that theme feels. Like how how just like. Uh, you feel the fury and the and the power of Godzilla, and then that's just not conveyed with the little magical little twinkling of the harp. I don't know that that's me. Uh, for me, it feels that feels more in line with something like a Mothra or some you know a, a character like that appearing, not a Godzilla appearing. Well, well, I'll add something. If for a second there, it makes you feel it makes you it tricks you. That little that little bit of harp just kind of tricks you into believing that Godzilla's not necessarily the villain in this moment. Like mm-hmm. because if you think back to when he was Godzillasaurus back on uh, back on the island when he was saving the Japanese military from the Americans, he was not the villain. And if he's presumably the same quote unquote the same dinosaur as before, just massively radiated for a hot for that that little bit of hot second there for, for with that when that harp comes in it makes you it, it tricks you it, t- it tricks your brain to think oh this is not he's not the villain in this story um mm-hmm. king Ghidorah really is the villain in this story but you know, as time progresses of course you know godzilla after he defeats king Ghidorah, he becomes the villain he becomes the unstoppable and untro- an uncontrollable force that they were all afraid of that japan was afraid of that would eventually uh uh, spell its doom so you know that's yeah. just my two cents on that little bit no of yeah that, yeah totally that makes sense too yeah and that's something else that this movie uh, i think in terms of good things to take away from it godzilla's characterization is something i don't really have an issue with godzilla is he's 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 going to defend his territory he's going to destroy for whatever thematic reasons <laughs> we mm-hmm. get out of this moment and you know if he happens to take down another great threat to humanity okay but it's not like he's doing it for for our sake it, mm-hmm. it, it was just he he really is this force of nature in this movie and this kind of like vengeful spirit just trotting across japan and anything that is in his way won't be there long Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, you you mentioned the suit, and I think the suit does play a major part of it. There's there are actually two sh- two suits used uh, for the land sequences. There was one suit for the uh, Hokkaido battle, mm-hmm. and the uh, the second suit was used for the Shinjuku battle. And my my favorite suit of the two was the Hokkaido one because that's the one with the massive chest. He just looks really upright and muscular he's, mm-hmm. he's got kind of a slimmer torso than mm. later suits um i love this suit oh i love this suit i think he looks strong i think he looks powerful i like my godzilla to have pectorials yeah i'm i'm not <laughs> you're keeping i i like how you're keeping with the theme jack every time you come on here we always we end up talking we, about pecs in some form we have to yeah talk about the uh the breasticles of some sort yes <laughs> right <laughs> yes the chest yeah. area. But no, I get so, what Jack, I get what Jack's saying because this is this is indeed my favorite suit. Even be, even beyond, I, I I appreciate the look and feel of of the Biogoji suit, and I even to some degree really appreciate the eighty four 
Um, but this one, I wish would not have, because later on, you know, it is, I think it's common knowledge now within, within circles that this suit was later on stolen. And so they had to make a brand new one for Godzilla versus Mothra battle for earth. Uh, but I wish, and, and for a brief second, for a brief, brief second, you see this suit appearing out of the volcano in that movie and it just looks menacing. I just, honestly, if I'm going to be blunt, I just like the pissed off look that he has on his face in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I like, well, and he, we actually do see him a lot more in, in, uh, the 92 movie. Do mm-hmm. you think that that's the suit they're using during the underwater battle with Batra? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, it's it's completely during the volcano scene that they use the suit. You'll notice, though, that they use the suit in the next movie where it's kind of obscured by light and bubbles or something like like when it's underwater, there's a lot of bubbles kind of obscuring the damage to it. Uh, right. The yeah. volcano scene, he's mostly silhouetted and whatnot. And then the last time we ever see the suit on screen is when a building falls on him in Godzilla versus Mothra. And that's mm-hmm. it. That, that's mm-hmm. the last that's the retirement uh, for, of, of the Hokkaido suit from this movie. Mm-hmm. And and I'm with you. I wish it wasn't stolen. I wish they had stuck a little bit closer to the shape of this costume, because from this point forward, the Heisei suits got a little bulky less. Yeah, well, they got too bulky. They changed the eyes up where it looks mm-hmm. a little less real. Yeah. He has these brown kind of squirrel eyes <laughs> in yeah. this movie. And in the next, uh, the rest of the Heisei series, he has these kind of like golden yellow. Yeah, he's more cartoony uh, mm-hmm. in his eyes in in the later ones. Yeah, but he, but this was this was a perfect suit, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, this is the Godzilla that I think of when I think of Godzilla. Uh, is is this this one from this movie? Uh, because yeah, it is my favorite. It is it is absolutely just it is the best Godzilla suit for me uh, i it will always be top tier uh for me um but yeah uh one thing mm-hmm. i really liked about and, and this is kind of moving a- away from the talking about the suits but more into kind of the the sets and stuff i and i think it was honda himself Ishiro honda who said something along the lines of as as time progresses uh godzilla isn't as towering when the skyline of, of, you know, like Tokyo and, and the cities keeps growing. And I thought it was really interesting because I never noticed before mm. in this movie, how as he's walking through Tokyo and Shinjuku specifically, that he is smaller than the buildings around him, but yet he's still so destructive. And I think that's something that I think we need to, well, not, us but but maybe godzilla creators like the the creators who are writing and and creating these godzilla uh franchise or 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 media needs to embrace the idea that godzilla doesn't have to be the biggest thing on earth to be threatening he he can be threatening and still not Mm. be because it just seems like the trend towards godzilla media lately has been let's just keep making him bigger and keep making him bigger godzilla earth mm-hmm. you know the the monster verse godzilla was the biggest one then shin godzilla was the biggest then then godzilla earth came along now now uh singular point has the record so it's like he just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's like but you don't have to have a 
Godzilla that's the biggest thing on the planet to for him to be threatening. This Godzilla is extremely threatening and destructive, and he's not as big as the buildings in Shinjuku and in Tokyo. A uh, brief correction there. Actually, uh, Godzilla Ultima is about the same size as 54. Uh, I think he's what? 55 I thought meters. he was bigger than that. Uh, and I think uh, 50... Yeah, fi- in, the, in the last episode, no, he uh, No, he's actually one of... Was he 100? Okay, so I'm I'm sorry. I okay. think... I'm sorry that I correct that. Um, he's still so he, not well, okay. So at a hundred meters, yeah. he's still only, he, he's still not the biggest, but he's only as tall as say this Godzilla, because in like the, the Godzilla and King Ghidorah is a hundred meters. Whereas I think Biollante was like 60 some meters. I the think I don't, I don't, I can't Biolante remember, but I know he was a lot. 80. Was eighty meters okay? So he was he grew yeah, he yeah. grew twenty meters. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, you guys get from, the, film, from this film, but yeah, it's okay. yeah. So I missed that you part. You guys get what I'm saying though about how it just seems no. I get what you're saying is towards make him bigger, saying, make no. him bigger. You know, it's like they're trying to outdo each other. You know, you had Shin Godzilla and the MonsterVerse were kind of outdoing each other, going back and forth, and then then uh, uh, Godzilla Earth, of course, from the anime was just this was so much bigger than any of the other ones. And it's just, yeah. No, you're right. And I think, I think it started here though. I really do because the, you know, making Godzilla 80 meters in 84 and, uh, Biolante that made sense to me and whatnot, but the using the story as an excuse to make him even bigger again, Mm -hmm. I think was a mistake. And I, I remember reading something where Kawakita, not Kawakita, yeah, Kawakita, the special effects director, he said this was a mistake too, because it was much more difficult to make detailed miniatures mm-hmm. at this scale. And he would like he would like to see Godzilla go back down. Mm-hmm. Now, he never took over for Godzilla when they finally did pull back on his on his uh height. But it it's the the miniatures from here on out started becoming less impressive and it was just because he was so he and the other monsters were so big at this point that it just mm-hmm. it, it it was very hard to get some really detailed miniatures in there and they certainly didn't look as good as they did in 84 or Biolante I think the less the the least impressive movie as far as miniatures go, I'm not talking about suit design. I'm talking about like just miniatures was probably Destroya because everything because the monsters in Destroya just felt so massive that it was just I, I get what you, I, I see what they're saying. It's it's just really difficult to make uh, miniatures that look good at that scale. Um, I had a I had another point that I was going to say. Oh, um. I think really, in my opinion, I think the trend now, at least for Toho, I know for the American on the American side, the trend has been make Godzilla bigger and bigger and bigger. You look at Legendary because because Legendary has grown uh, substantially since 2014 up to Godzilla versus Kong. Um, but I think the trend now with Toho when they do Godzilla Media is I think they're going to tweak or upgrade his power set. As we go along, because you see in Shin, he gets the laser, he gets the lasers from his back, from his dorsal spines and his tail, uh, the red mist from singular point, um, the hyper beam. I don't know what else to call it from, uh, Godzilla earth. Like his power set just seems to be getting more progressive 
as we go along. And I think that's a trend that Toho is going to explore. Maybe they'll bring Godzilla's size down, but they're going to give him uh, upgraded power sets as we go. Well, as and they again, go this along. is something that we can say started here as well. Not quite here. Uh, mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Bialanti, uh introduced the concept of his super regenerative capabilities and his, uh, oh, what's it called? The, the nuclear pulse, right? Mm-hmm. And we see the nuclear pulse mm-hmm. here again in this movie. It's, it's starting to become a regular thing now with Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. And we also see the first instance of a spiral ray, technically. We don't, we don't have the red one, I want to say, but, but technically there is uh, what's called the spiral heat ray in this movie and it's uh the beam he shoots that severs king Ghidorah's middle head mm-hmm. and there's there's mm-hmm. uh you know and it usually accompanies it usually comes after the pulse because the pulse seems to be a uh a safe uh, sort of a, a safety mechanism for him if he's losing in battle he, uh the he'll emit the pulse to kind of create distance between him and his adversary. And then he'll use the spiral beam. It's sort of like a power, like the, the pulse signifies a power up for him. And I guess, and if you're using, right, right. And that's exactly what this Um, all becomes, especially mm -hmm. later movies. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, what we're seeing here is the normalization of new powers in with Godzilla. And it, it really blew my mind when people like, you know, they they freaked out when uh, Shin Godzilla had lasers come out of its its fins. And I was like and I, I would just post images of the nuclear pulse. I was like, really, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is some, this is normal now. This is normal now. And the nuclear pulse used to be, I mean, whoa, Godzilla just shot, you know, beams of light and energy out of every orifice in his body. OK, but now. Now that's a thing, you know. They even did that in the uh, the 2019 legendary movie. So, yeah, Godzilla know. having new powers is not is not a new thing to the franchise. That's one of the things that, no. yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that with with Shin Godzilla. That that part never really bothered me. Well, it did. I guess it did when it first when I first saw it, just because I was like, what? But but once I got used to the idea of it i was like oh yeah you know this is just a new power because godzilla always has new powers <clears throat> going back to the right. showa era when you know he's fighting mecha godzilla and suddenly he can become magnetic <laughs> you know it's it's like you know that's that's just a, a thing that godzilla does so yeah it makes sense right and this was the the, the nuclear pulse has become so normalized now I, I i really wish social media and the internet age was around during say 1989 1991 when this movie came out it'd be really interesting to see what fans thought of the nuclear pulse (laughs) when it was in its infancy right yeah or the death ray in mechagodzilla 2 when when it was introduced or you know the list goes on you know and i feel like and and maybe this is this is a topic that we can discuss on a totally different podcast, but, but it just, I feel like how I was back in the nineties and especially in the early two thousands, I was being, you know, from an area where we didn't get a lot of Godzilla stuff. I wasn't around other Godzilla fans. I was just happy to get anything Godzilla. So that's why I, I don't hate any of the Godzilla movies because 
I was just happy to have anything that was Godzilla. So I can't hate it. And that's what surprises me nowadays when people are so hateful towards like, you know, something like Final Wars. And I'm like, you don't you don't realize for me in 2006, when I finally when when it was finally available for me. I was just so happy to have a new Godzilla movie. I didn't care how good the movie was. It was just that. And I think there's just a a level of maybe we just don't have that kind of excitement that we used to have uh, for, for fans. You know, maybe, maybe that's just for me. Well, and I think the way we acquire these films and the landscape of following films that are coming out has completely changed to, you know, yeah. uh, we have I mean, we're talking about Godzilla versus King Ghidorah right now. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is out of print. Four of the Heisei movies are out of print in North America. Now, I do feel some some sick amount of justice that, you know, the Showa era films are have been reevaluated by a very uh, highly high caliber distributor and they're readily available on streaming services and on blu-ray and whatnot whereas now you know the tables turn the heisei series is not very available but all of these movies deserve an excellent release of some sort yeah well and and you know it, it is a little bit of shame that we're talking about a movie that a lot of people can't just grab now mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's weird to me because this used to be one of the easiest ones to find mm-hmm it, yeah, it did. It, I remember I remember back when I got when I first got back into trying to c- acquire like I had a lot of these on VHS. So when I went back to try to acquire all these on Blu-ray, the 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 mm-hmm. uh, Sony mm-hmm. two packs were the easiest ones to come by. Uh, and you got I think with this Space one, Godzilla. if I'm not mistaken, you got this one and I'm pretty sure it was um, no, it was Mothra because no, I think it was Mothra because there was a f- there was a few of the Heisei discs that were in chronological order, but as they went on, they got out of chronological order. I think it was like Space Godzilla well, and a Millennium film together or something that, like that. Uh, you know, the DVD Godzilla 2000 had never been released in Japanese before, and so because oh, right. yeah. Sony has has more money invested in Godzilla 2000 than any of these other ones. They gave that film its own release. So Destroya and Megagiris are packaged together. Whereas King Ghidorah and Mothra are packaged together and Mechagodzilla and Space Godzilla are packaged together. That's right. I I remember when I was trying to like fill my my DVD collection back in the day when I, you know, like my late teens, I was trying to get all of the the uh Heisei ones and and I remember I had this movie already. And I was trying to mm-hmm. get some of the other ones, but mm-hmm. trying to get some of the other Heisei movies when you already own, like, like I already owned this one. I already owned, uh, I, I think I already owned Destroya, maybe, or, or, or it might have been Space Godzilla. But then the only ones I could find were two packs combined with other movies. And so it's like, well, I, I don't want to buy this because I already own that one, but I want the other one that's in the two pack and I can't find <laughs> it by itself. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I end up double dipping a lot. Certainly not as much as say, Oh, Elijah, but, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> oh God, that poor, that poor kid has no money left. Yeah. So yeah, this, uh, 
So uh, just to, just to keep to keep the mm-hmm. conversation about this particular film flowing, Jack, there one of the one of the criticisms about this movie is that it seems as though people want to believe that it's anti-American. Uh, in fact, uh, I was talking with a, I was talking with a mutual friend of ours today and they said, well, basically CNN had a slow day. So they decided to run a story about this new Godzilla movie being anti-American or something like that. And, um, I don't necessarily believe that because any, anything you read about this movie, if you read like about the cast and crew, and I know they employed a lot of ex service members or even current service members to be in this film that were Americans. And they all said that it was, that there was not an anti-American vibe on set at all. The director and the, the screenwriter and the director were just exploring themes, exploring interesting themes at the time, because I think, um, of ha- I think uh, this was at the tail end of Japan's economic miracle. Is that what it was called? Yes. The economic mm-hmm. miracle uh, in Japan. This this was around the time it was trailing off. Or yes, it, it, uh, the the bubble burst in 1991. Mm-hmm. It was you know money went bye bye. Yeah, and it, it was really it was really trying to. It, it's unfortunate because the actual scene where the American forces are sort of they're sort of shot like the villains in this particular movie uh got a lot of media attention and like you said you know slow day for cnn and whatnot and even a shiro honda he said that uh amori went too far with this scene Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i was gonna bring up did not like this scene at all he honda was very critical of a lot of the heisei series but uh, of this in particular, he thought he thought Amori went too far. But when I was speaking with Ed Godachewski, yes, talking about the beach scene, is that the one? Uh, Godzilla source okay. shows up. Uh, but I was speaking with Ed Godachewski a few years ago, and uh, he, you know, he's I think he's he's spoken with Amori in person. Either that, or he's just uh, relaying information he he told me from hearsay. Uh, Whenever, whenever Amori was confronted with whether or not you know the movie's anti-American, Amori was just saying, "No, what are you talking about?" He's almost kind of oblivious to it. Amori has said that he just wanted to give the film a Japanese perspective mm-hmm. of it, of the situation, and in doing that, I think he opened the floodgates uh, for the conversation as to who was the villain in the Pacific War. Right. Yeah, he was interviewed. Um, I, I found I when I was doing research last night, uh, he was interviewed um, for a uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't it was a written interview that they did with him. So whatever publication it was that he was being interviewed, I can't remember what it was now, but he said that uh, that's where he kind of broke down like, uh, you know, his feelings on the idea that this was anti-American and the 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 controversy quote unquote that came from that uh and how he would he would you know explaining that yeah i just wanted to give a japanese perspective because this is a japanese movie and godzilla is a uniquely japanese monster and has strong ties to japanese history so it makes sense to go at this from the japanese perspective and just like uh, just like any movie when you're when you take one specific group's per- perspective and you focus only on that, 
then the other side isn't always portrayed in the best light. Well, uh, yeah, because you're talking about a war. The one one side is never going to portray the other side as the good guys when you're in a war fighting, trying to kill each other. Whether you're whether that's right or wrong, it's still you're not. That's just the nature mm. of talking about wars. And so this was kind of even though the scene itself was more on a goofier, almost a uh, felt almost a little slapsticky at moments. It did take a very realistic look at the at how people on one side of a war view people on another side of the war. And I think that was just a kind of what you were touching on jack that was a conversation that maybe people weren't having at that time of how were americans viewed in this Mm -hmm. war uh and it kind of that's what shocked people enough to you know cause this whole controversy but uh, yeah yeah this this is definitely not an anti-american movie it's just a maybe more honest look at america from a japanese perspective well and yeah and i but going back to what honda said about him going too far with this i think i think there's some merit there because amori you know in 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 bialante as well had some moments that weren't didn't didn't look on uh sort of the uh, american international cooperation too fondly either right Mm -hmm. uh so, so you almost have to wonder right and and it's it's interesting because it's almost like he doubles back with uh, Shindo's character mm-hmm. in this. And uh, I think I <clears throat> wrote a piece on this not too long ago, uh, but Shindo, he, he almost vilifies Shindo uh, for the changes he's made post-war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... It, it, it's you know okay so so we have shindo who has come out of this thing alive and now he's going to go home and he's going to you know rebuild his nation and whatnot but with what exactly what has he been sucked into after the fact he now owns this massive corporation he owns nuclear weapons privately mm-hmm. yeah um he, he he's embraced a lot of uh, what the West brought over in order to satisfy his own business in order to grow Japan. And he's doing this in the middle of an economic bubble that's about to burst. In real time, anyway. We, we don't know if the, this economic bubble bursts in the film. Right. Uh, so, well, he never, he never survived, survived to find out. Find right. out and I've, I've argued that his death um, sort of signals like the end of this this type of like large corporate uh prosperity over japan uh that that was that was expanding this bubble to its to its uh explosion mm-hmm. essentially right uh he 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 represented all of this this stuff that that japan was afraid was about to happen at the time and he was embracing a lot of what the west brought over uh that he was fighting against even. So there's, there's a lot of threads here that don't quite add up to how Amori shot it, which is kind of interesting because I, I really do think Amori is a better director than he is a writer. <laughs> um, 
but he he's he's got a lot of threads going in a lot of different directions is you know is shindo a villain is he a hero was he a hero for the nation at one point in time um is he just misunderstood does he did he misunderstand himself did he misunderstand his own motivations for uh you know rebuilding japan when he got back from the war yeah and i I think he 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 comes to the conclusion that he messed up somewhere along the way at the end of the movie um he he fully embraces godzilla coming to kill him because he he kind of i feel he he wasted his life not going about it the right way do you think he was uh, when he realized when he's at the moment of death do you realize do you think that he's in some way paying penance by a by not resisting by not trying to escape yes in a way because his life was godzilla's he he was he was rescued by the dinosaur right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then after the fact he you know builds this corporation and embraces the very uh weapons and power that destroyed his nation which is a massive slap in the face to that dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I think you know? for me, it kind of goes back to, again, uh, what the, the theme I picked up on when watching this is, is hubris or, or arrogance is, mm-hmm. you know, that there's, there is a level of arrogance to, to Shindo, whether it's, you know, not necessarily like intentionally cackling evil type of arrogance, but, but there is a little bit of arrogance to him that I, can control the thing that you know we're fighting against i can control i can control these nuclear weapons better than anybody else can i have the the ability to be in control of things and and it almost like is reflected in how he feels about godzilla where it's like no godzilla wouldn't hurt me because because uh you know i i we have this connection and so this this kind of like hubris that he has comes crashing down around him and that's you know the the theme i picked up on and then also there's a lot of arrogance in the the futurians and a lot of the other characters too but shindo i think did have some hubris there behind him that he felt like he could Mm -hmm. be the master of his own destiny whereas godzilla comes along and says no you're not the master of your own destiny (laughs) because here i am yeah right and you do get this really interesting moment too because a lot of this one of the moments that stands out about this movie to me is that one is when they look back at each other when they're staring at each other and you wonder and you kind of it makes you wonder what Godzilla is thinking in that moment and what Shindo is thinking in that moment. Obviously Shindo is thinking in that moment. It's like, you know, all this time, this dinosaur that saved my life has finally come to destroy what I have built. And, you know, basically what have I done? What have I done with my life? Like, you know, like we were talking about just now, but it's curious that it's curious that the director made Godzilla's facial expression the way it was and made it linger there for a second. Cause there for a moment, and I've saw a lot of stuff online about, Oh, Godzilla cried. I don't think Godzilla cried, but there was sort of this odd nod of respect that you didn't, that we don't get from, you know, the Heisei films or you, you, especially the Heisei films, because in the Heisei films, he's seen as more of an animal, but you get a very human personality out of Godzilla in that moment. So as far as Godzilla crying, 
I have actually I've been right there with you. I don't I don't think he actually cries. And yet <laughs> um this is from this is from Amori. I had to pull this out real quick. Uh, the most important scene in the movie is where a tear comes to Godzilla's eyes when he's facing this human. And I think there's very few who could play the role opposite a crying Godzilla. And Tsuchiya is one of them who could do it. Yeah, I've never I didn't noticed see it, though. a tear. Like, I, 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 looked, I looked for it, but his eyes look just as glassy as they always do. Hmm. So I never saw the tear. Like, I don't know. I don't, Maybe I, I missed it. There's some... If, if you look at the animatronic, there is some... Uh, I want to say moisture <laughs> around like the <laughs> nose area or whatnot, but I, I've never seen it as a tear necessarily, just kind of a, you know, as part of the, the suit makeup, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I look maybe, maybe he's not even talking about a physical tear. Maybe Godzilla is, is remembering the moment, uh, remembering a, a, a time where, you know, like Shindo, he wasn't a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at this point in time, they they both are. You know, and, and Shindo's this this massive business conglomerate, and I don't want to turn this or into a a you know down with capitalism thing. I'm not really one of those people, but I do understand that there are there are issues with capitalism, and this is one of those. You know, heed heed the. No, we, we know warning. you want to eat the rich. Right. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> with, with, with fava beans. He, he, um, we know, we know, that, we, we know that Jack has the $60 uh, sweatshirt yeah. that says eat the yeah. rich on the front. Of it. That, we all, we all know that. that looks like a Chick-fil-A um, bag. Anyway, the, the, <laughs> but the point is that he became something kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. To the Japanese people at the mm-hmm. time, and Godzilla himself had transformed into something ugly and monstrous that was destroying Japan in this future, and they mirror each other mm-hmm. in that moment. They have both become mm-hmm. monsters, and what do monsters do? They they destroy, and they destroy. Godzilla got rid of another monster, mm-hmm. and it, it it's such a great moment, such a a. a, a big scene that means so many different things and can mean so many different things for both characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think it's moments like these that elevate Godzilla versus King Ghidorah from what is truly a mess of a film to a great moment that, that makes us go back to it, makes us think about it for a little bit longer than, well, the suit's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're absolutely right. And and, yeah. and and that's the things that I was picking up on, too, when I was watching it uh, this week, because, you know, as a kid, you're so enthralled with the the monster fights and the, and the big flashiness. You miss some of the subtle things that are there. Um, you know, the, the fact that the fut- Futurians are coming back to stop Japan itself from becoming a threat to the world. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, like I, you know, those little details that that are thematically important. But as a kid watching this movie, I would have never picked up on. Um, we do need to talk about some of the negatives uh, for this film mm-hmm. before we can, uh, you know, 
finish on some positives and close out our discussion. So what are some uh, negatives? All right. So I guess we're having a conversation about time travel. Time travel. Uh, <laughs> time travel. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to start with time travel or the Dorats. <laughs> you know, Dorats I'm fine with if they could just fix the time travel right. <laughs> logic in this movie. You know, we, we've had article after article trying to justify the time travel in this movie. And even when we get those, there's holes. And on top of that, we have, um, even though we have those articles, we also have uh, other Toho sources that claim that it's not uh, the, the time loop that some of these articles talk about, but that they're actually, I'm actually looking at one right now. Uh, a, a Japanese timeline that says there's like three different timelines involved mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> Good lord! So it's in. It's I, well, no, what it is is they had no idea what they were doing. That's what it is. It's it's, there's, there's... it's the oh, Legend God, of gotcha. Zelda timeline. You, you you guys you guys know about the the Legend of Zelda timeline? <laughs> so no, so, you're gonna have to explain I, it to me, Travis. Jack may know, but the Legend of Zelda timeline kind of uh, the in the games kind of splinters, and they've put out official timelines that you can you know get in, in like some of the books and some of the material that you can get for the games. But it splinters because it splinters out on whether Link wins one of the games, whether he loses one of the games, whether he dies at a certain point, and so then it creates just these like alternate timelines that you're also <laughs> following in these other games that don't interact with the other games along the other alternate timeline and it just becomes very complicated and it's just like yeah we had no idea what we were doing when we were making these games and we're just trying to fit them all in after the fact so this is either this is either the shattered grid of the Godzilla franchise or um or it's Power Rangers RPM because Power Rangers RPM is set in a totally different timeline in an alternate universe than but, the mainline. The, the difference, the difference is though, Michael, there's actual thought put into those. There was no thought put into this one. Yeah, no. The one rule we get is is well, uh, the same person or creature can't exist in the same time frame at the same time whatever which they break they break that rule I know, they break that rule <laughs> they break that rule right okay which brings into question how how did king Ghidorah come back to the past if there's no king Ghidorah left in the sea to make anything mm-hmm. <laughs> how did or, everyone know who godzilla was if godzilla was erased from history uh, I, see okay we, we're, we're all right. Here we go. Here we go. You here know, we go. We, we couldn't. We couldn't. <laughs> you know, you guys asked we, me to to write an article about the movie, and I explicitly stayed away from time travel because it was just going to be a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, here's your chance. Here, here's your chance, Jack, to scratch that itch that you that we wouldn't let you scratch in the article. It wasn't an itch. It wasn't an itch. I didn't want to scratch it. There was no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, yeah. No, I had uh, cut off the arm and left it in the dumpster, so I didn't have to worry about it. It was <laughs> it's so mad. Yeah, this movie is. I cannot. And, and kudos to the people who respond to criticisms about the time travel with 
with, oh, who cares? It's just a monster movie. Let's just enjoy the fights or something like that. Because quite frankly, I can't sit here and think to myself, you know, and, and let this go, essentially. Mm-hmm. It, it's so crucial and integral to the overall story. How can you let that go? Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. And and maybe this is another form of me being really close to the uh, really, really close to Godzilla franchise. But I don't think so. I, I just think basic time travel logic is shouldn't be this difficult. And even if there is holes and let's be honest, every time travel movie has holes. Even if there are holes, you should be able to elevate the drama of the characters and the story enough where you don't notice it. Right. Why did they take Mickey and the crew? Why did they take Mickey and the crew back to 1944? Uh huh. Thank you. <laughs> that was <laughs> because Michael. If they didn't, Mickey would not be in this movie. That is the only well, thing I mean, Mickey I, does I know that, in this entire I... movie. <laughs> I'll say this. I, I know that. And the only the only thing she does is ask the question, what happened to the Dorats? But I, I understand that. I understand that. I, but I get but, them taking Nikki. I can buy that. Because she, Oh yeah, because she's like, oh, I can feel Godzilla. She's yeah, she's the psychic who can confirm okay. she's been in Godzilla's head. Going back mm-hmm. and getting into the Godzilla Source's head makes mm-hmm. sense. Why did they okay. take Terasawa <laughs> back? Is the question. Yeah, I mean, they had, they had his book. Yeah, or had his book. <laughs> why, why didn't they have M11 drop off the Dorats? Because well, it would have been out ma- there. Well, I mean, it would have made a lot more sense because uh, our lead character, uh, Emiko, am I right? Um, our lead yeah, female Emiko, character, Emmy. Yeah. Our, our our lead female character first she comes on the scene. She's in favor of what the Futurians are going to do, mm-hmm. and it's like. Oh no! I didn't know you guys were gonna do that. If I'd have known that, I wouldn't have dropped off the door rats. You know, blah 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 blah. So like that, all that could have been solved by just letting M Eleven, who was a robot, who would just do exactly as he's told, as he's told, drop off the door rats in the past. Agreed. Now, now I I do I do like Emmy's turn to a certain extent. Like like. She she obviously is part of the Futurians organization, whatever organization that they're a part of. The and she does believe in what they're trying to accomplish. She's just not as radical as these ones who are wanting to go the extra mile to make sure that Japan doesn't exist in the future to be able to yes to become a world superpower she's she's yes but why did she lie why did she lie though yeah like why I don't did she that either because i don't why did she she leaves the door rats and she comes back and there and and they say now king Ghidorah is in godzilla's place and then there, there's that shot on her with this worried expression i'm like why are you worried did you know what was going to happen why'd you do it if you knew it was going to happen? <laughs> i mean it's like yeah well, I think the idea is that King Ghidorah is under their control because they controlled the Dorats, mm-hmm. and and then and he was he was under their control. She just didn't know they were going to use Ghidorah in the way that they did in how destructive mm-hmm. he was. 
Yeah. And as a side note, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the creativity that went behind making this all new origin story for this particular King Ghidorah. I wish that I wish that I I wish that it was you I wish that it was better I wish the animatronics for the Ghidorah was a bit was a lot better because I think the '60s Ghidorah was a lot better, mm-hmm. um, and I like just the, the simplified, the very simple, the just get down to brass tacks version of oh he's an alien. I, I, instead now, of just making up all this comp. Go ahead. I think I think there's it's common knowledge by now, but initially this this King Ghidorah was supposed to be an alien. He was. Yeah. He was initially supposed to be an alien, and actually, in the novelization for this movie, he is. Um, they actually create the Dorats from the DNA of a dead Ghidorah corpse that they found on Venus in the mm-hmm. distant future, and that's where the Dorats come from. So, but, so in the novelization, he is still kind of an alien creature. But Amori didn't want to do the movie if King Ghidorah was an alien, so they cut that out completely. Right. Yeah. 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 It was it was Amori um, who who kind of vetoed the idea of being an alien. Well, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> I agree. And I'll be honest, I am not a massive fan of this King Ghidorah design. Or costume. No, I love the design. No, I, don't get me wrong. I, I love the design. I don't like the animatronics. I think that it's it, this Ghidorah has no life to it. Whereas yeah, the heads are the, a little too noodly. They're uh, a little too noodly. They're a little too noodly. I, but I, in, in general, I just found. No, no, no. I like the noodliness. <laughs> I like the noodliness of well, the '64. Don't you the like head... Michael? <laughs> I, I mean, I just like I, I like the noodliness of the '64 because they're all just kind of all over the place. You know, it, it. They're more. I don't know. I just like that. But I like the design of 1991. I just don't. I just think that 1991 is just really stiff. I don't know. I. I... I like this design. I like the way that it was used. Um, this is probably the last time, at least until Destroya, uh, that we get a lot of physical activity from the monsters in these Heisei movies. Uh, because, you know, after this movie, it just basically becomes laser beams and, and it's that's a light how they show. Fight. Yeah. Yeah, it just becomes a light show. This is the first. This is the last time that we get like actual monster on monster kind of wrestling uh, that that you would get from like the Showa era. And so, I, so I do appreciate that element of it, the physicality of these ones, and and of course, I mean, Mecha King Ghidorah is one of the most striking visuals for being in the movie all of like fifteen twenty minutes to have such a lasting yeah yeah yeah. to have (laughs) such a lasting like just lasting power in the fan community like people love mecha king Ghidorah, and this is the only time we see him is that that like five ten minutes that in this movie and yeah i just so you gotta just give it give them credit for the striking visuals of that alone no, and I do. Oh, no. I do. I, and I, I did like Mecha King Ghidorah by concept and by design and whatnot. But the traditional King Ghidorah, there's something – it was – I think the show of King Ghidorah, what makes that work so well for me is the mane and the, the, the crest on top of its head. There's something mm. very alien, almost like a Twilight Zone-y kind of design to it that was very – it was very 60s, very 70s. Um but it was very alien to me. 
And you know, I, we named I, that. Yeah, I've always thought about that. That that this this design, as much as I do enjoy it, it always was missing something. But I never could put my finger on what was missing on from it. But you're right; mm-hmm. it's the hair. It's the hair. Mm-hmm. It's missing the little the yeah. hair that's behind its spikes. I never thought it, but never really crossed my mind that that's what's missing from this design. Well, and the center, the center horn, the kind of crest that the moon crest that it has is, I think, very central too. Because suddenly, you know, uh, when uh, Wakasa did the King Ghidorah suit in Mafa Three, and when Shinada did the King Ghidorah suit in GMK, they put that back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, for both those designs, I think it worked a lot better. I like both those designs a little bit more than this. this oh, I, I think little, I think Grand King Ghidorah is beautiful. This is a little too... I don't want to say bland, because it's really only the second take on King Ghidorah we've had up to this point. But in comparison, in hindsight, it's it's bland compared to what we mm. get later. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any other negatives anybody wants to share? Uh, I mean, we, we, we kind of, we, we didn't go into detail with the, with the time travel, but, but really, I mean, what, we don't want to dig into that. I think we could, we could spend, we could spend hours dissecting problems with that. And I can't, I can't go there. (laughs) I have a feel, I have a question. I have a question. I have a question. So how did Godzilla get radiated when it wasn't when he when there was no sub in the area at that time did i miss something okay am, am i terasawa pulled out an article from the 1970s mm-hmm. where a nuclear sub sank mm-hmm. in that area gotcha and it okay. gave godzilla it irradiated godzilla gave him his powers and whatnot and then supposedly from that point the 1984 movie and uh Biolante happened because that took place okay. in the 70s. Now, that's one article that apparently has been vetted by Toho officials. Another page from an official Toho source book just claims there are three timelines. Mm. And I don't even want to think about why there's three timelines. I, I <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but you are right. You are because... right that, that in the movie, they do say that there was a, a nuclear sub that went missing in the area at that time, you know, uh, in the seventies. So that, that was probably what did it. I also like that the Futurians, uh, they said, Oh, so Godzilla's back. It's like, Oh, there's so much nuclear radiation in this timeline that we could have put him anywhere. And he would have, <laughs> he would have been born well, again. Probably not like on the coast of Africa or something like that. I mean, that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, so, because one of the one of my favorite scenes in this movie is his reemergence under the underwater scene with mm-hmm. the backlighting and the nu- and the nuclear pulse and all that and uh, like I have the little um, the little Sakai dioramas the little four inch dioramas where it recreates that scene it's one of my favorite little pieces in my collection and I just love that scene from that movie um, because it it's always something really magical to bring that, to bring that word back into play. It's always something really <laughs> magical when Godzilla, when you, when Godzilla makes his first appearance in a film. And mm-hmm. I think that that is, 
yeah, I, I think that scene is very well done. I just like it because uh, mainly just because of the backlighting and how menacing that scene looks because you don't get a full reveal of the monster, but you know, it's him be- just by the silhouette. Right. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a really good shot. Um, so, so are we moving now into our, our, some more positives that we're going to finish up on, or do we have any more negatives that we wanted to cover? Yeah. Transition uh, Jack? to that. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and transition that simply because I think the, the reason the movie doesn't work is because they couldn't figure out the time travel logic logic. And as a result that torpedoes the overall story and it's structure. Right. Um, yeah, that, that was the issue. Otherwise, there's a lot of really good things about this movie. I mean, there's some effects gaffes that I don't particularly like, like M11's running. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do think the visual effects start suffering a little bit more in this movie because, uh, well, various reasons. I don't think after after the beautiful effects in Biolante and how it didn't quite perform up to expectation. Kawakita didn't didn't go for the jugular quite here. And as a result, we're stuck with a few shots that don't work, like um, some really stiff Ghidorah flying shots or mm-hmm. M11 running or the door rats. Um, and but they're cute, though. They're 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 something. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and a few miniatures that don't work, but at the same time, once you lift, once you raise Godzilla's height, uh, you're you're not going to get quite as detailed miniatures going on. Instead, mm-hmm. you're, instead of like individual yeah. windows, you're going to get windows that are painted onto a building instead. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- there are those gaps here and there, but overall, I think in terms of effects, this movie works better than the next three or four in fact i mean yeah. i mean and i i'm not the only one who thinks that apparently because uh kawakita did get an award for this movie mm-hmm. for his work so there's that but yeah i think we should we should go back into the positives because the the big portion that didn't work is how the time travel torpedoed the story right yeah well and one thing and, and this will kind of be some of my finish where i finish off on my positives is some of the camera shots like some of the actual visuals in this there's a shot uh at one point where king Ghidorah is flying over hiroshima Mm -hmm. and you just and it's just one shot and it disappears and it's not like really dwelled on or or like given a whole lot of fanfare it's just one blink and you miss it type shot but you get that uh mm. was it the jinbaku dome mm-hmm. Jinbaku dome which is the the yeah. building that was at the the center of the where, where the atomic bomb uh hit in hiroshima uh hiroshima uh and you get that one shot with Ghidorah mm-hmm. in the background and i think that is something that is so visually striking and i just really really liked that shot and uh and and another shot that i really like just real quick um when while i'm talking about these individual shots this has got to be one of the best final shots of any godzilla movie (laughs) just godzilla coming back to life underwater and just heating up and you see all the bubbles forming around him and just roars it's just such a 
brilliant visual shot of Godzilla. And it's just one of the best closing shots of any Godzilla movie. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any? Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time in a, a Toho Godzilla film that Hiroshima had been attacked by a monster. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't remember it being referenced in anything prior. It's the only time in a Godzilla movie yeah. or in the Godzilla franchise. Yeah. Do you think it has yeah, been in bad taste to do that up to this point? And I kind of wonder, given how controversial this movie was, I kind of wonder if that was a point of contingency as well. That's possibly. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good question. That that's a, well, also I think that's a loaded question because I don't think there's any way we can come up with an answer that's going to be uh, at all satisfying. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think you're right. I think it, maybe there has been some hesitancy to show Hiroshima and Nagasaki in uh in these monster movies especially Godzilla mm-hmm. where it deals directly with the atomic bomb and atomic radiation and, and mutations and stuff uh but I don't know I, I that is that is one of those ones that I just I, I don't know if if maybe just the fact that Hir- Hiroshima is not a big enough and iconic enough city that the skyline is maybe the reason why it, there hasn't been a, a you know a monster attack it's the same reason why hasn't a monster attacked detroit in in the u.s in any of the you know american monster movies well because detroit's not as memorable and and recognizable of a city as like a new york or a san francisco it's just not it's not as it's not as an icon it's not as an iconic a skyline as say a tokyo or an osaka Mm. yeah so maybe maybe that had, part of it too. Yeah, yeah. It has a lot yeah. of historical significance. It's just not maybe as visually striking as say you know like as a Tokyo. Yeah. So I, I think it's one of those like I, I mean we could read into it, and and it is very very possible that it was it's done because of of just being in poor taste, or it could be something as innocent and innocuous as. Well, it's just not as interesting to film there or to have a monster attack there. So, yeah, it is one. It is one of those things. But that, but that is an interesting question that you bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Per- I don't personally have any more negatives about this movie. Uh, for me, like I said, this is this is my favorite Heisei film, and and yeah. it I enjoy even with all of its even with all of its problems, I can still sit down and rewatch this. And not have a problem with not have a problem enjoying it for what for for what I'm being presented. I mean, I'll sit here and like kind of wince and cringe while watching it because of the time travel shenanigans. But uh, I think it's one of those cases of there's there's enough good material in spite of the movie not working to enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Um, And one of those things we, we talked about Suchia and his excellent performance in this movie and how this was a really important role to him. And, and basically how, how the movie works best around his character. I will say, I also think that, uh, uh, 
Anna Nakagawa, who played mm-hmm. Emmy. Emmy, confusing character. Great concept. And she had some excellent moments. Um, but at least, you know, I, I thought uh, Nakagawa did a great job with the role. And I do want to call her out because she she was a standout role in this movie. And she passed away in 2014 at just age 49 uh, due to, uh, I believe it was endometrial cancer. It Intra- was Intra- a- in intravitreal intravitreal i don't know something. i can't remember I, I it, was, she, it was some kind of it was some kind of cancer she passed away in october of, of 2014 your your godzilla came out your godzilla's revitalized um and she had she had had a great career up to that point and it, it's she really is one of those actresses that i think uh you know it's a loss massive loss for mm-hmm. for many that we won't get to see her in anything else and regardless yeah. regardless of her material mm-hmm. she gave everything 110 percent. so yeah i i want to oh, call yeah. that one out yeah she was great she was she was really great in this um while we're talking about uh actors really quick uh i i my my common writer loving heart <laughs> cannot talk about this movie without just briefly mentioning Akiji Kobayashi. Oh, the Ultraman too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ultraman. But 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 he will forever be Tobe Tachibana in my heart. <laughs> like like I just he is he is forever Tobe Tachibana from Common Rider. Uh and I love him. I love seeing him in this because I mean he appears in a few of the Heisei movies. Um this is not, you know, the only one he does, but just just I just love seeing him. When I see him I, every time I see him in something whether it be one of these kaiju films, a tokusatsu show, or or even some of the other just Japanese drama pieces that he was in, uh, he always brings a smile to my face. Yeah, he plays uh, the same character uh, in Godzilla vs. Mothra in the next movie as well. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, in the next movie, uh, you know, Ultraman shows up as well. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always love seeing him. He's always a a force of some sort to be reckoned with, and no matter what he's doing. And yeah, it, it's it, it was good to see him in in a uh, a big role in both this movie and the next. Yeah. Uh. So I think we we can probably move on now to our final thoughts and our Godzuki scores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. Does that sound good to you guys? Let's do it. That sounds fine. All right. So for anybody, if Jack is ready, watch, if, if if Jack is ready to get his singing voice together, on, I mean, it's I have my oh, yeah. right here. Here we go. Okay. Ah, here we go. Uh, you got your yeah. lemon water, Jack. Yep, working on it. <laughs> yeah, because for anybody who isn't uh, familiar with the podcast, if this might be your first episode, uh, we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis. That's Godzuki. Because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies, and we do that by using God- Godzuki, Godzilla's bumbling nephew, as our yardstick for measuring these movies. So, uh, starting with Jack, out of five Godzukis, how many Godzukis would you give Godzilla versus King Ghidorah? 
I'm going to go with a very strong, very strong two Godzookies. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's a very strong two. I don't think the movie gets out gets out of the rut that time travel logic has put it in. It really hurts the narrative. It really uh, adds to some confused character motivation. But I do think what comes of it is are, are, are some interesting themes. It's a nice little snapshot of what's going on in Japan at the time, at least some topics that were very important to Japan at the time. And I do think some of the uh, themes are relevant today, looking back on it. So it's a very strong two. It, it's, it can't climb out of it, the grave it dug for itself with the time travel stuff. But I, I do enjoy it. All right. And Michael. I mean, this this movie's a mess. Like, I, I think my opening words were my opening sentence was this movie's a mess. <laughs> uh, this movie is this is definitely got its problems. Uh, I like what Jack said just now. It does. But it does uh, touch on some things that are relevant today. Um, now, where I'm going to depart from Jack is like we talked like he mentioned earlier. I am one of those raving fanboys that can sit down and watch this movie and ignore some of its faults and just, and, and just uh, enjoy it for what it is. And at the end of the day, uh, if a movie does not entertain me, then I don't like it. And this movie definitely entertained me. So for that reason, I'm going to give it five out of five. Beautiful. You're not a true fan, but beautiful. Oh, well, <laughs> never mind. This I was, was going to say is not family friendly, but I, I appreciate and respect your opinion, Jack Hudgens. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I wrote down my final thoughts because I, I like to get all of my thoughts written down so that I can keep them all straight as I'm talking about them. So I'll just read out what I wrote here. Uh, so this is a movie of contradictions. It has some of the best tokusatsu effects, I think, of the Heisei era, but it also has some of the worst. Uh, it has one of the most convoluted storylines in the franchise, while also feeling very classically Godzilla. It is a completely original take on the Godzilla mythos. We do not have any other Godzilla films involving time travel, but it's also borrowing elements from contemporary blockbuster movies like Terminator and other things like that. Uh, it's both silly and serious. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is unlike any Godzilla movie before or after. It's wholly unique in its use of time travel as a main plot device and also its use of CGI because this was the first Godzilla movie to utilize CGI in a very significant way. Uh, it's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. It's in my top five favorite Godzilla movies. And that's including all its faults and all of its successes equally. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Godzookies. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I got a question. I, you guys have really not covered this movie before. 
Because I was like trying to file back through all your old episodes. I was no. Like, How are they possibly asking we, me on this one? We we don't do a lot. Actually, we don't do a lot of Godzilla movies at all. Yeah. We we try to. <laughs> I mean, not, to be be, not because we. <laughs> we try to be sparing with our Godzilla movies. Yeah, not because we don't want to. It's just that um we don't we we see other podcasts that do that are very godzilla or very very just like japanese monster movie heavy and we chose to go a different route and just explore other movies even the ones that people don't necessarily appreciate um like uh clifford i don't know what's a movie that <laughs> like like cloverfield you know those uh, that's not what i said love cloverfield <laughs> Well, I, and but, I guess that's why I gravitate toward you guys so much more because there, let's be honest, there are a lot of Godzilla kaiju podcasts out there, and one of the reasons, uh, you know, the drift space, I we decided to do the drift space instead of a kaiju podcast was because I didn't want to feel like I was uh, landlocked into one topic. But uh, you guys yeah. are are excellently all over the place. I really enjoyed the thing episode that last that last one. Oh yeah the the robert robert and his wife courtney are lovely they're mm-hmm. lovely lovely people that was great that was great yeah yeah we um yeah w- well our our when i introduce the podcast it's always you know this podcast is trying to introduce the wide world of giant monster movies and the wide world includes more than just you know godzilla and gamera um and and i i had when I first started the podcast, I didn't want to do so much Godzilla and Gamera right off the bat because, uh, and not to throw shade because I love them to death, but with Alex and Eric with their monsters versus men podcast, it's like the situation they got into with once you get done with your Godzilla movies and once you get done with your Gamera movies and then they're like, well now what? You know, and it's just like I never wanted to be in that situation. So I always wanted to sprinkle the the Godzilla and the Gamera, the more popular, more well-known uh, movies, along with some of the lesser known ones, some of the ones that people don't recognize. And also, you know, ones mm-hmm. that you know, they may not consider actual kaiju films, but hey, it's a monster. We're going to talk about like, it. Yeah. Like, like Clifford. Clifford is not a kaiju movie. Yeah. He's a monster. But he's he is but he we're, is a but psychic we're, vampire that feeds off the off the energy of little children. He is a dog. What? He's a stray dog what? with a hormone disorder. What Clifford book did you read, man? I don't. <laughs> oh, man. okay. So uh, we did a we did a a uh, I don't know how a podcast exchange where I guessed it on another podcast and then they guessed it on my, my podcast uh, on this podcast. Um, and uh, I was on Finding Monster Right. A uh, couple of fun, funny people. They really great podcast. I, I love their just kind of irreverent sense of humor. Uh, very, very irreverent. They just have no care at all. They'll talk about anything, and uh, and you know, and, and they're they're talking about monsters in general. So like, they even talked about the Kool Aid Man uh on their on their podcast uh and i was like hey i want to talk about clifford because uh there there's a part of clifford's story that says that the reason he grows gigantic is because of the love that emily elizabeth has for him so clifford is feeding off of her emotional energy 
to grow bigger, which makes him a psychic vampire or a parasite. And I wanted to explore that more. (laughs) And to that, and to that, I'm going to ask, wouldn't that make the little girl magical and not the dog? Well, we did in that episode, not to spoil it in case you want to listen to it, Jack, uh, my my guest appearance on Finding Monster Right, but we did kind of come to the conclusion that Emily Elizabeth might be the Scarlet Witch and that Clifford is just a construct from her hex powers. <laughs> or, or my opinion is he could just be a stray dog with a hormone disorder. We, um, oh, you decide, Jack, if you want to listen to that episode, it gets wild. Like we, we end up, <laughs> we end up on the, uh, we end up on the goop website. Goop is, you know, oh, no. Uh, uh, oh no, you mean, uh, what's it? Oh, oh no. Gwyneth Dave Paltrow's can't stand. Dave cannot stand. <laughs> and, uh, and because we, we found out that, uh, on, on goop, uh, they sell psychic vampire repellent and we had fun going through what the ingredients of the psychic vampire repellent is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very fun episode. I had a blast just like y- y- on their podcast, they can be, and, and me as a guest could be as silly and ridiculous as we wanted to. No one takes it seriously. And, I had just so much fun. <laughs> All right. Here, well, my, I know what my and next here my job and my job is to be the party pooper and just <laughs> yes, you know. yes. Uh, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move into the next uh, segment of the podcast. And Michael, do you know what the next segment is? Is it the mailbag? It is the mailbag. What's in the mail today? And if you would like to send a letter or tweet to us to be read out on the podcast, you can do that kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can send it to at kaijuweekly on Twitter. Please, please, please send us some things to read out on the podcast because we're running low on our mailbag and we would like to interact with you guys and read out some of your questions and comments on the podcast. So please send some stuff to the mailbag. Um, But Elijah, who is a sometimes often very often guest on this podcast uh, <laughs> who we don't go a single episode without mentioning elijah so people should know who elijah is by now um <laughs> uh he sent us something he sent it uh to to me and you michael he said travis and michael what's it like oh. being kaiju podcasters and magazine publishers What's one thing you'd tell your past self about these kaiju operations you wish you would have known then? Don't do it. That that was going to be my answer it. too. That was going to be just my answer too. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't. 
Just, just don't. You're gonna, just look, don't. Look, this is this is Michael. Michael's like you're going. His his future self comes back in time, and he's like, I'm coming to you from the future to warn you. You're going to meet this really weird guy named Travis, and he's going to try to talk you into doing a podcast and publishing a magazine. Don't do it. <laughs> pretty much yeah pretty much no in all but in in all in all seriousness probably what i would tell my past self is don't take yourself so seriously which i don't but there are some like there are some days that i do stress about the podcast where it's just like oh is it good enough like like who cares we're just we're having fun with people that we like to talk about these things. And honestly, the whole, the whole point of the whole reason why I got into, into uh, podcasting anyways, because I wanted to talk to people that like the same crap that I do. You know, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard of a concept to grasp, you know, and uh, probably I would tell past Michael, um, make some, don't, don't obsess over the podcast and don't obsess over the magazine. Because I do have a pretty obsessive personality where if I get involved in something, I do it with my entire, I do it with my whole heart and then I end up burnt out. And so pace yourself, you know, don't take yourself too seriously uh, and just have fun. That's probably what I would, what I would probably tell my past self. Uh, I try to tell myself that now, but he, he just won't listen. Yeah. 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 I, I, mine's, my answer is very similar. Um, it's, it's, I, I would tell myself, especially if like me starting the podcast, like really starting out the podcast, um, don't name it Kaiju weekly <laughs> because then you'll feel obligated to put out weekly episodes and maintaining a weekly podcast schedule is very very difficult <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so jack let me ask you since you're here what would you tell uh your past self about podcasting and all the extracurriculars that you got going on in the fandom uh my past self i would have told you know, just make sure you have the right sound equipment for this stuff because <laughs> if you want something to be proud of don't worry about the numbers just worry about the production of it all uh and and also remember that covid isn't going to be forever you're going to have to get back up and work again you're going to have to juggle this podcast <laughs> with oh, your yeah. three other co- <laughs> cohorts uh with your with your day job so i think i think that's probably the two most viable pieces of information i would yeah because you you started your podcast during the pandemic because you were home and you had all this free time right exactly. and that's exactly just, now, yeah and then it's like <laughs> me and jr and dave and rebecca have have, are, have found ourselves with this podcast we like doing these topics we like talking about and shockingly an audience <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. we figure you know well let's keep going so yeah. Yeah, it was it was really interesting hearing people who were podcasting just prior to the the uh the start of of the COVID pandemic and and lockdown and and uh uh when everybody was uh isolating themselves because a lot of the ones I knew 
who were used to podcasting in person were really struggling to do it over Zoom or over Zencast or over whatever, you know, service that they wanted to use. And then I was like, well, but I've always done that because like of my three of the three co-hosts who have been on Kaiju Weekly, none of us have ever been in the same room to podcast. <laughs> so yeah, right. so it's well, like, well, it, technically it didn't really change te- much for our podcast. <laughs> Technically, though, Travis, if you count that bonus episode with Monsters vs. Men when we did Godzilla vs. Kong, we were technically in the same area as each other. That's true, but it wasn't a room. <laughs> we were outside. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was the only time, the only time that we've ever actually podcasted all together like that because uh yeah usually we are uh, we, you know, we're we live in totally different states and stuff so uh we have always podcasted uh over the internet and and using services like this so it was it's never the pandemic didn't make much of a difference on the way we record but i can imagine people who did start uh podcasting right before it or or something like that how it changed their dynamic and that's i just thought about that when you were talking uh jack <laughs> i just thought that was an interesting little side yeah side note. no i'm kind of wondering who how many people did start podcasts during pandemic who aren't anymore well i mean there's been a few pod there's been a few podcasts that i'm not going to name them but there has been a few that have fallen off it's it's interesting and maybe like I mean, we were talking before we started recording and deciding my, my wall to wall schedule uh, doesn't allow for a lot of free time. But, you know, I still make it work. Um, and maybe it's just about the time management thing. I don't know you, it, that that is a skill set that a lot of people don't have. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of a scary skill set to learn, quite frankly. Uh, and once, you know, once post pandemic life kind of you know, seeps back in through the woodwork. I guess, I guess the balancing it all is, gets a little difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah. So we're going to finish out this episode, uh, with, uh, asking the trivia question that hints to next week's episode. So we are covering not one, but two movies. I think next week, aren't we, Michael? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. All right, and the trivia question is: What kaiju slash kaijin uh, from 1966 was given a new lease on life this year with the release of Great Yokai War Guardians? And that's the trivia question that hints to what our topic is next week. And we just want to say a big thank you to Jack G-Man uh, from the Drift, St- Drift Space Podcast for joining us this week to talk about a v- fan favorite, I would say a fan favorite, uh, yeah. Godzilla movie. More, certainly more than a footnote. I, I've, I've always considered, yeah. Yeah. And uh, would you like to plug anything? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at G-Man of Mysterioid. Uh, you can also take a look at my Substack, Deferential Wrath of Rusting Markalite Cannon at markalite.substack.com <laughs> and and you can uh check out our podcast drift space at bit.ly slash tds links and follow us on twitter at the drift space you also uh 
got an article coming up, right, Jack? I do have an article coming up in Kaiju Ramen here about yeah. uh, a movie we may or may not have just discussed. No, I think yeah. I think I just blew that actually. We I already talked about that, didn't I? You did. Right. Yeah, I did. All right. Yeah, we, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> you did. But I wanted I to do. give you an opportunity to to plug your uh, to because you are not just a podcaster, but you are a writer as well. So if you want to plug where you where people can go and read your stuff, other than your own Substack. Yeah. No. Uh, I do have a new article coming out on uh, Kaiju Ramen. I, f- I finally finished one. <laughs> and, and uh just very honored very excited to be a part of kaiju ramen because i've i've really enjoyed the magazine since its inception i really uh i have every physical release so far and i've heard you know outside of just my article that the next one's really going to be a banger so looking forward to it oh yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it too michael when are we going to work on it <laughs> when when can we all we have been like we have been working on it don't make it sound like we haven't been working on it i know i'm just 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 (laughs) getting with you yeah the the other 10 articles the the original plan honestly the original plan was to have it out on godzilla's birthday well life circumstances and 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 you know stuff just getting in and just bad timing just kind of put that like there's no way we can do that. Um, so I would say, I could I could say we could we could we could tell the listeners to expect the magazine probably second or third week of November. Mm-hmm. At least yep. the digital that's, copy, that's the not the physical copy. Yeah, that's the plan. And physical copies will be sometime after that. <laughs> whenever whenever we get them from the printer. Uh, but hopefully yeah. we won't have any issues this time with uh, with like we had last time with the printer, but. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, as I as you guys are talking about, it, I have the stack of the first three issues right here, and I think I think every kaiju fan really owes it to themselves to be a part of this, to get a physical copy as well, and to support it because, uh, you know, I I stopped um, tuning into <clears throat> some other magazines, uh, I almost twenty years ago, and. Uh, this has been this has been a, a, a much needed uh, I want to use the word alternative but addition to uh, material right it's supplementive it, it, yeah and as, as long as every kaiju fan will just ignore the fact that it says Dia Majin on the front of the latest issue um, we'll be okay yeah, I, <laughs> Just why did you say that? Why did you say that? Like I was not because, even gonna say it. I was not gonna say a human, damn word about it. Here you go. Humanizes us and makes us more relatable when we embrace our faults, diamogens and all. But I don't want to embrace our thoughts or our. I don't. Jeez. embrace the thoughts michael (laughs) oh well we want to say thank you look (laughs) no one wants to embrace the thoughts going through my head right now never mind oh thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends we have reached two full years of podcasting can you believe it we are Oh, two full years in the can and hopefully more to come. 
and yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. Make sure to tweet us and or email us uh, any thoughts that you want us to read out in the mailbag segment. All the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. If you want to find out more about it, check out the website, kaijuramenmagazine.com. We also want to thank the terrific Taylor Ward, the never-failing Nathan Marchan, the all-knowing Alex Cornette, and the... Uh, diamond in the <laughs> in the diamond in the rough, Damon Noise and Shijir for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to help support this podcast and get some nice bonus content, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash kaiju weekly pod. I can think of one little piece of bonus content that we have to release to the patrons that con yes. that whole conversation we had before we started re before we even the started full. the actual conversation <laughs> yeah the full other podcast the full 20 that we minutes that we <laughs> right yes um, we, but we all, are probably know. going to start but i actually do want to start doing that for our patreon is we're going to start recording a little bit before we actually start the episode of just us shooting the breeze and having fun and we might start releasing it on our patreon page so if you are interested in hearing some behind the scenes some raw uncut uh <laughs> kaiju weekly goodness then check out our patreon page the raw uncut filtered naked version of kaiju weekly which includes See? breasts which include, yeah, which is, yeah. <laughs> but you know what doesn't include breasts? Something Actually, I don't like, I don't I like that yeah. transition. <laughs> I don't like that transition, Michael. Michael, do a different transition. Transition it differently, Michael. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how else you want me to transition except just to say there's one other thing that people can do to help support this show. And that's by going over to Apple podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. And if you do that, we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode. And what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans, just like you and just like the beautiful Jack Hudgens here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't clap. Just throw money <laughs> in your G string. In my G-string. Uh, G-man in the G-string. <laughs> G-man in the G-string. Wow. Also on the Patreon are pictures of me and my G-string if you uh, apply. Not, not our Patreon. <laughs> well, maybe our only on fans. On the Kaiju Weekly Patreon. <laughs> on the Kaiju just, Weekly just Only Fans. <laughs> just be thankful that OnlyFans let... let uh, uh, they put back the ability to put to post adult content. So now, you know, maybe you and, and Elijah can make that Yeti themed. No, no, uh, no, movie no, that not, you guys have been we're working not on. including Elijah underage 16 year old. Oh, Elijah man. is not well, getting included in anything. Okay. Uh, thank you everyone. <laughs> Help control the giant monster population. Have your door rats spayed or neutered. Bye, everybody.
I, I no no bad Michael bad. <laughs> oh, that's so terrible. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. I'm not. <laughs>